What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will, and this week uh, I've got an episode that I'm sure a lot of you have been anticipating and waiting for, and it is here. Um, had Bubba's a few weeks ago, a big backyard ultra in Conway, New Hampshire, run by uh, Run the Whites. For any of you who don't know what that race is, uh, it's a three and a half mile loop. You finish that loop once per hour, and the last person standing, last person running wins. Um, this is my third year running it, and I am today interviewing the man, the myth, the legend who won this year and every year, uh, a fellow by the name of Ed Clifford. Uh, so Ed, in this uh, Northeast community, definitely best known for his efforts at Bubba's. You know, Bubba's has been put on for five years now, and Ed has won every single year it has been run, um, but he's done a lot more outside of Bubba's, and we got to all of that in the episode. Uh, we talk about his story, his journey, some of his tactics. Uh, it's a really fun episode. I got to learn a lot about Ed. I got to learn a lot about what it means to be a successful athlete in these style of events, um, and I had a great time. So yeah, basically what I was thinking here is that I'm going to give you guys sort of a f you know, little bit of a rundown of how Bubba's went for me. And then uh, after that, I'll cut to the episode uh, with Ed, and we talk about lots of stuff, a lot about Ed, and it's a great time. Um, also, want to apologize, guys, for the absence of the podcast lately. Uh, it has just been, it's been a really busy fall, and um, part of it, honestly, is that I've overextended myself a little bit, I feel like, uh, with, with school and with commitments and running and all that stuff. It's just been busy. So I haven't uh, had time always for the podcast in the last few weeks. Uh, but also, you know, I recorded the pre-Bubba's podcast and then ran Bubba's. And then I was just like super sick for a week or so after Bubba's. And then I've just had this lingering upper respiratory thing going on and uh, lots of coughing, lots of congestion. I still kind of have it. But, you know, basically for the first couple weeks after Bubba's, I just, my, my voice was not in podcasting shape. And so I, um, I decided it would be better to just hold off. So I uh, appreciate you guys for hanging around and waiting for me to get my shit together as it were. Um, but hopefully we're back on track now. I've got a lot of great episodes lined up going forward. A lot of people that I'm excited to talk to and, um, yeah, guys, the, the season is starting to come to a close here. Um, Bubba's was definitely my last big effort on the calendar for 2023 and um well i guess i'll just jump into it now um you know i had a i had a race schedule planned out for 2023 and um the big thing was obviously the unsupported long trail that was sort of what i was building everything around um and i had some other smaller projects that i wanted to do like i knew i wanted to try to run the dartmouth 50 at some point uh, which I ended up doing and might have an episode about that coming up. Uh, I wanted to do my first long distance bike ride. I wanted to do my first ski touring Everest and those all happened. Those were all really fun. Um, but the sort of the, the linchpin of this whole thing was the long trail. And so after the long trail, I knew that I wanted to put together one big project for the fall. And honestly, I wasn't super sure what that was. I thought that, um, you know, I had run Bubba's in 2021 and 2022, and 
had been very disappointed both years. You know, both years I uh, got hurt and, you know, my body gave out well before my mind gave out. And, uh, you know, that was pretty disappointing. And I, uh, I've i never experienced that in any other race format other than Bubba's. So I, I was kind of thinking that I wouldn't go back to Bubba's because, you know, I'm just sort of tempting fate to get hurt a third time. And, you know, both of those times in 2021 and 2022, I spent months after Bubba's in physical therapy to, to fix the damage that I did to myself in Bubba's. So yeah, I sort of had this mental block, but as the fall sort of rolled around, um, you know, my dad signed up for Bubba's, Eric Peterson, shout out to Rick. Um, he signed up for Bubba's and he had a big goal of, of getting over 50 miles. Um, and by the way, his, his longest organized run before that was a half marathon. So more on that later. Um, so he was running it and, um, I just thought, you know, it would be, it would be really fun to give more dedicated training to this race and to give it one more go. Um, and I knew what I was getting into. I knew that, you know, there was a chance I'd be disappointed again, but I felt like I should give it another shot. So uh, rolled into Bubba's this year, a lot better trained, a lot more miles on my legs this fall, and I was feeling pretty good. I knew there was re some really stiff competition coming in this year, um, but in my mind, you know, my thought was, I really think at the end of this, it should be me and Ed uh, going head to head. That was what I wanted, um, and so that was that was my mindset going in. It's like if I can stay healthy, it's me versus Ed. Let's see what we can do. Um, so uh, we roll up start line. Uh, it's <laughs> the the weather for that weekend is looking subpar at best. It's uh, you know Saturday there was some uh, supposed to basically rain all day, and then. Uh, overnight some rain too i think it's sort of fuzzy now in my memory and then sunday it was supposed to be mostly just cloudy but it was supposed to be like an inch and a half of rain or something like that maybe two inches uh, over the course of like 24 hours um so i was gearing up for the conditions to be really bad and uh the conditions were really really bad <laughs> this the the course was the worst i've ever seen it it was you know there were there were certain moments where it, the the you know the the normal mud pits of Bubba's were just more muddy than they were. That was sort of the baseline. Is like the mud pits were more muddy, but then there were other parts. You know when it was actively raining, that the whole course was muddy, and it was it's really brutal. At one point, um, Bill Tid, who was who was crewing me and my dad into the night, he went home uh, and out. He drove an hour home to his house, and then got micro spikes for me and my dad, <laughs> like, like snow micro spikes and brought them back for us. And, um, and it actually worked really well, which is kind of hilarious, but that just, you know, gives you an idea of how muddy the course was. Um, so through the first day feeling really good, I've got, um, a bunch of shoes, socks, uh, kits that I can cycle between. Um, also like, at the outset, big shout out to Kraft and big shout out to Infinite for supplying me with the shoes and the and the the apparel and the nutrition that I needed for this race. There was huge help. I'm a poor med student, can't afford this stuff if I don't have help. So, thank you guys. Uh, so yeah, we roll into the night. Um, it's pretty miserable, but 
you know, one great part about Bubba's is that the community aspect is so much fun. Um, and there's so many people going into that first night that it's, it's just, if you, it's hard to get super down and, you know, Bill and Xander listening to this are probably chuckling because there were some, there were some laps in that night where (laughs) they, you know, they had come to, to, um, to support me and pace me through parts of the night. And eventually they were just like, Hey, do you want to just run by yourself? Cause I was like not talking the whole laps. Uh, and I was just like kind of keeping to myself and I honestly wasn't in a really bad mental space, but I was just sort of locked in, didn't feel like talking. Um, and we were just getting through it. Uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty miserable night. <laughs> it was just so the conditions were so, so cruddy and wet and all that stuff. But, um, my dad made it all the way to, I think, 1 a.m., 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Anyway, he went 56 miles, so six miles over his goal of 50. Shout out Rick. Um, and he only really ended up stopping because of blisters, which is kind of soft, but uh, that's all right. He he absolutely killed it. Um, you know, multiplied his biggest day ever by four, four, a little bit over four. That's so crazy. So, um, yeah. And then there were tons of people who just crushed out there. Um, people who, you know, like, like Xander and I predicted in the, in the podcast at the, at the, the prediction podcast, like there are people who we had no idea who were going to come and show out. And it it was really, really fun to see uh, those people. I will say my top fives was way more accurate than Xander's top five, um, and so that was fun for me to be better than Xander. <laughs> um, but so we roll into the second day and, you know, it's hard for me. You're, you're kind of in this tunnel as a runner. Um, oh, I should mention going into the first night. So going into the first night, I was getting super nauseous and I don't know why. It's not something that's ever happened to me before. And on lap 10, um, so I guess that would be the 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. lap. Uh, I was coming, it was a, it was a clockwise lap. And so I was coming up, you know, through that field at the end of the, of the lap. Uh, and then just started like throwing up all over the place and threw up five times, just, you know, sort of hurling on the side of the trail. Uh, I think Declan passed me right then and asked me if I was all right. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, uh, I still know what's going on. And so at hour 10, I was starting to, you know, shift my expectations for the race. It was like, I've, you know, I've never thrown up during a race before. And I've heard all these horror stories of like, oh, as soon as you start throwing up, you're not going to be able to hold anything down. And so you're basically screwed. And so that, like, that, that was sort of my mindset, but also my mindset coming into Bubba's was I'm going to go until I can't go the pace anymore. I'm going to go until I DNF because of time. Um, and so, you know, when I started throwing up, my mindset sort of changed to, okay, this is going to go one of two ways. One, I'm not going to be able to hold anything down, in which case I'm going to bonk and I'll time out pretty soon, but I'm still going to time out. Two, I could throw up and then feel totally fine and then we'll, we'll be good to go. Um, and thankfully it ended up being the latter. Um, you know, basically as soon as I threw up, 
bit, I think I just emptied my stomach contents. And uh, after that, I was completely fine. The rest of the race, as far as GI goes, I, I felt good. I think I did get like instantaneously behind on fuel then just because I had some some stuff in my stomach that wasn't quite digested. Um, but it didn't wasn't a problem. I just ate more going forward and uh, it was it was totally fine. So that was good. That was sort of the first hurdle of Bubba's for me. Um, coming out of the first night, it's hard for me to remember how many people exactly were left, but there were still a solid amount left at the 24 hour mark. I think, uh, I think it was really, really close to the over under that Xander and I had, uh, had set for how far we thought people, you know, I think we had bets for how many people would make it to 24 hours or how many people would make it to lap or like mile 100. And I believe that whichever one we set, whichever one of those we bet on, it was like one off, you know, so it was, it was very close and, um, it just shows the strength of the field. Cause I think we picked a pretty high number. Um, and so throughout that second day, I was very happy because, you know, I'd never gotten past the 24 hour mark feeling healthy. My body had always started deteriorating, um, by the 24 hour mark. And so I was just super happy to be rolling in that second day, feeling good and feeling like, okay, this is going to be a competition. Let's go. Um, fast forward about four or five hours, things started taking a turn for the worse. Uh, my, my foot, uh, I'd, you know, throughout the fall, I'd been having some anterior tibial tendonitis problems. Um, that started rearing itself. And I think it was sort of like a bigger kinetic chain problem, per, perhaps like some, some strength imbalances that I need to work on. Um, but my right, you know, the inside of my right foot right there on that tendon started hurting pretty bad. And then it was sort of radiating up uh, into my knee and my knee was feeling like fairly unstable. Uh, and then what that ended up mostly manifesting as was my IT band got really tight when I was running. Um, and really painful. And so I, um, I sent a text to a few different people during, I believe lap 28, just saying like, Hey guys, um, bad news. I think the wheels might uh, be starting to come off here and I don't, I don't know how much longer this is going to go. Um, and so that was, that was tough for me because, um, you know, I felt like I'd been doing well up until then, but it seemed like it was sort of the same thing uh, manifesting as what I had in previous years, you know, just not, not having my body hold up. And so, you know, we kept rolling, stuff got more and more painful, but people kept dropping. And so we, it got closer to, you know, top 10, top seven. Um, and then it, it started getting real painful. And I was like, man, I don't know how much more I can do of this. I think this is probably in the early 30s. Uh, in terms of hours. Um, so we're, we're over a hundred miles now and I just, this is not advisable at all. Okay. My, my renal professor would be screaming at me right now, but, um, took a bunch of NSAIDs <laughs> and, uh, you know, for about a lap, I was like, wow, this didn't do anything to, to help the pain. And then about halfway through the second lap, uh, I was just fine again. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty great for a while there. I was just, uh, I, I started running full laps again. I was, I was feeling good. Um, I think there was sort of an emotional rebound of like, heck yeah, 
let's let's go uh it was uh dwindling to like top five at that point um it was yeah it, it was it was really really fun um and so we we kept rolling um you know by that point it was down to top five there was uh me ed megan jensen uh who megan jensen by the way one of those people that came out of nowhere i didn't know who she was before she came in here and then she just absolutely killed it and honestly i think she could have gone farther uh, as ed and i talk a little bit about in the episode um ben feinson who i knew would be right there my buckingham and uh lucas i don't want to butcher your last name i'm sorry but i'm going to genulitis um anyway he he's a young gun 22 years old also someone that Xander and I didn't know about but came in and absolutely killed it um and yeah so that that was the top six but I think Lucas and Maya ran the same amount of laps or uh something like that uh but so it kept dwindling um and eventually it came down to um to me and Ed and that was again really cool for me because the the three years you know the first year I sort of showed up to Bubba's on a whim with my uh, with my backpacking tent and no support crew and didn't really know what I was getting into and luckily Ed not Ed um, Brian Burke took me in I did again I didn't know who Brian was he was just this random guy that I was that I was getting in the tent with. Um, because you know my tent was tiny backpacking tent and happened to be that ed's this monster or not (laughs) i mean ed is monster but uh brian's this monster and i learned a lot from him but um you know since i sort of saw that first year what could be done my mindset was like man i want to go back and i want to challenge ed and so um yeah it came down to me and ed we had a few laps there where we're we're going head to head it was a lot of fun we chatted a little bit um and and then again things um so the, the NSAIDs that I had taken for the the foot and the knee took uh, sort of started wearing off and I took more but you know I think at that point I had just been continually inflaming my <laughs> my joints and uh, it it didn't it didn't quite work so I I got to this point where my my running pace was was too painful and or my running gait rather was too painful and my hiking gait had deteriorated and wasn't fast enough for the pace and so um yeah it ended up being that i went out for the the 39th lap and um became very clear very early on that i wasn't going to make the time or at least i don't think i was going to uh and so i i turned it around jogged back in and Ed, uh, Ed took the victory with 39 laps. I, I agree. You know, I listened to, um, Drummond and Monty on their wrap up podcast and I, I agree with them. I wish I had gone out and completed that 39th lab, just even if I had DNF for, from time, you know, just to see if I could have muscled one more out. Um, and I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. Like I look back at it now, comfortable comfortably in my room, and I'm like, man, maybe I could have pushed some more laps if I had called someone and gotten in a better mindset, and you know, took like done some centering exercises or whatever to take my mind off the pain. But but then I go out and run. You know, even like three weeks removed from Bubba's, I go out and run, and within 20 minutes, my IT band locks up, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> my my body was actually in pain. And, um, 
And so that was kind of that, guys. That was Bubba's. It was brutal. It was muddy. It was rainy. It was cold. And it was so much fun. Um, I don't have the same, you know, even though I ended up stopping this year because of pain and because of, um, you know, my body started deteriorating, I don't have the same, I don't have the same regrets and reservations as I do about previous years because in my opinion like my body is very durable in a certain kind of distance which is like the mountain you know mountain running like the 48 the long trail that kind of thing I don't think I train enough on flat ground to be durable at that long distance I think that's what it really comes down to and so my thought process is again um you know, Ed, I think in, in Ed's ideal world, I would, I would come back and try to take up the mantle from him. And I do think I could be better than I am at, uh, at last person standing races if I fully dedicated to that event. But I don't think that I want to do that. (laughs) Like I really enjoy, uh, spending my time in the mountains. I really enjoy the adventures. Like Bubba's is an amazing time, uh, but the most impactful life experiences I've had have been on the 48, on the long trail, on the Appalachian Trail, and fundamentally, I'm someone who really likes adventure, and um, and Bubba's doesn't quite scratch that itch for me. Uh, so, with that, I think uh, I think at least for now, this is it for me at Bubba's. And it's also it for Ed at Bubba's, which is really interesting. And so the question is, you know, with the one and two from this year not coming back next year, who's going to take up the mantle? Um, I think the obvious answer to that is Brian Burke if he comes back, which, again, Ed and I talked about in the episode, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for the episode. Um, but you never know. It could be someone who just comes out of nowhere. Uh, maybe someone who's never done... Uh, never done the format before but it's just a beast you you just never know so yeah and then going forward guys i don't i i'm i'm kind of at a kind of at a loss right now i'm you know i've i have a list of projects for 2024 that's you know 12 or 15 long but none of them have spoken to me yet like the long trail did last year um i don't really I don't really know. I don't really know what I want from running exactly going forward into 2024. And so I'm kind of, kind of sitting on my hands waiting for, for something to come to me. And I think that's the right way to do it. It's just to let it, let it come to you. Let something excite me organically, you know, don't commit to something just because I feel like I need to have a project, you know, right now I'm really just enjoying going on little day hikes and fun stuff with my friends and I'm really looking forward to ski season and I'm going to do a lot of touring and backcountry skiing this year which is a lot of going to be a lot of fun uh and <laughs> honestly it's nice to have a little break to just uh catch myself up on school not feel so stressed and pressed all the time about training and fitting everything in so yeah guys that's about where I'm at um I was going to read a sponsor for this episode but I don't really want to. You guys have heard me drone on for like 24 minutes now, and I think it's about time you hear from uh, from someone better than me, at least at last person standing races. So uh, let's uh, let's get to the episode. Let's talk to Ed. I appreciate y'all for hanging around with me and and uh, and chatting 
and uh and supporting everything i do appreciate you guys all right uh i'll hopefully hopefully we're back on a bi-weekly schedule now so hopefully you guys will be seeing episodes coming out on the regular um yeah ed Thank you so much for coming on. Don, uh, Don also came on the podcast with Ed uh, to be his fact checker and uh, pace, uh, not pacer, um, support crew extraordinaire. So Ed could not do what he does without Don. And um, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to both of you. They are both wonderful people and I cannot wait to get on the trail with them um, in an, a context outside of Bubba's, in the woods and on the trails. So Thank you guys so much for listening. Ed, thanks for coming on the podcast, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye. This was the hardest recovery. I'm still not recovered, but normally I'm ready to race like three weeks after um, a backyard. Um, I've gone from LMS four weeks later to Bubba's. Last year was five weeks later to Hamster Wheel and felt really good. Um, this this race crushed me, and I don't know if it was um, a combination of of fatigue of not being as fit as I normally am because of some injuries this year. Um, the weather obviously was, was kind of rough. Um, mm-hmm. I immediately had a cough a couple days later, like bronchitis. It morphed into a sinus infection and I got conjunctivitis. I woke up with my eyes closed. It was oh, no. it's not been fun. So <laughs> I just uh, finished 10 days of antibiotics and um, starting to feel a little more normal. I get out for a six mile run today, of course, in the rain, because that's basically what this year has been all about is rain. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I normally would be thinking about a race in November, but right now, no. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> just trying to take it easy. Then, and so how, how's your recovery been? It's been it's been good. I've uh, like gone out for a couple runs. My IT band has not felt great. My body feels great sort of from a metabolic perspective. Like I don't feel super fatigued, but um, my my tendons seem to want to break. So I'm back on back on the the PT exercise grind and um, hiking doesn't seem to bother it. So I've been doing a lot more just going for casual hikes. Um, But I'm have not been training seriously since then. And I, I don't plan to start back up the serious training until probably mid late November. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly happy to be taking a break here. (laughs) That's two of us then. (laughs) So, uh, 39 hours, 136 and a half miles, right? 
something like that yeah yeah and that's all you needed to go because i couldn't push it far enough but uh <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I i really thought we were going all night and i was i was shocked when i turned to go back to my tent and they're like ed ed um can you come back here for a minute and while you're sitting there it's like i i totally did not expect that i you looked so solid and i was a hundred percent committed to we're going through a whole full second night for sure yeah yeah no i i did too uh i'm you know i'll always be a little bummed that i i couldn't push it couldn't push it harder but uh but yeah i don't know i in in the end i couldn't hit the pace anymore so i I I think I took it about as far as as I could with yeah with what my body was giving me this this time around at least um but but enough about me you so <laughs> I want to hear sort of you know you're you're a pretty private person I I know a little bit about your background but not a whole lot um I I'd love to know sort of the origin of where where this all started like as far as I'm aware Bubba's was sort of your your intro to this stuff five years ago and so what what made you decide to give this race format a try what was your sort of athletic background if anything before that and how yeah what what was the beginning like wow you really want to start at the beginning i do (laughs) (laughs) i'm old you know (laughs) um my my mother says that I came running out of the womb, so I mean, it's <laughs> a constant battle to keep in touch with me. And fortunately, we lived in a country setting, and I was always out in the woods, always hiking. I always had a sled dog with me, and had a German Shepherd for a while. And they were my. I always had a dog as a companion, so I was just always on the move. Um, if my dad had a litter of puppies in the summer, I was in charge of. Um, taking them out for runs when they were, you know, eight, nine weeks old and um, until I couldn't keep up with them anymore. And, and mm-hmm. then they started working themselves into a team. So I was I was just always moving. And I loved being in the woods, loved trails. Um, at 10 years old, they had a five-mile road race in our town of Raymond, New Hampshire. And I kind of begged my parents to do it off, you know, just basically no training. And I did it, I think it was like 48 minutes or something. It wasn't bad for a kid that age with no training. And the track coach, of course, noticed it. And he said that, you know, came up to my parents and said, you know, I want this guy on, on the track team And as soon as he, you know, is old enough. So I get into junior high and I got a chance to run with the high school team when I was still in junior high, which was a was great experience. Um, and I really kind of went nuts on the running. In high school, I was doing that. Uh, cross-country winter spring um i played baseball in the summer until i was 15 and my eyesight started to go bad and kind of gave up baseball Mm. but um by the time i was a senior i I was getting a little burned out from running i had actually when i turned 17 august before uh my senior year i ran 140 miles um that week and I really kind of blew myself up. It was it was like the dumbest thing to do. And my coach was like, I can't believe you did that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of paid for it with a really rough um, cross-country season. I had one really good meet, an invitational that I was able to win. But otherwise, I just had dead legs and one injury after another. And it was just miserable. So I kind of phoned in my winter and, and spring seasons and really didn't improve much on what I had done as a junior. And then in college, um, 
I did a few triathlons. Mm-hmm. I sucked at swimming, just horrible. <laughs> but, but I wasn't bad as a cyclist. So my junior year, I decided to join the cycling team at UNH, mm-hmm. which set, set me on a path of cycling for about 15 or 20 years. Um, got to overlap with a few Tour de France riders um, as a Cat 2 rider. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got to race against Lance Armstrong the year before he went permanently to Europe. And wow. Champion. So I kind of got a chance to brush with some of the greatness of cycling and really loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I couldn't sustain the kind of 500-mile type weeks that you need to train in order to be a really like a next level cyclist beyond the regional level. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gotten mono and I, every time I went over 300 miles, it seemed like my body would just like blow up and, and get all inflamed and I'd die. And sure. <laughs> like sinus infection after sinus infection, all, all kinds of crazy crap. Anyway, I learned that I had a lot of physical limits and I had to really meter my training dosage. So, mm. um, yeah, I cycled for about, two decades before I was like 40. And then I turned to um, some biathlon. Uh, well, the Wildman Biathlon actually inspired me to, to do something different, which was a 10K run, uh, cycled up um, to uh, Pinkham Notch to uh, Wildcat from uh, the Gorham side. Mm-hmm. And then you'd run to the top of Wildcat. So that cool. was my first like multi uh, multi-event thing where I was actually fairly decent. Uh, so I had some fun with that. We did the metallic race up in um, up in Colebrook, um, and that was a lot of fun. That was much longer, and it involved kayaking instead of um, swimming. So And we were on trails um, almost the whole time. So mm. it was, you know, a gravel bike um, and trail running, and did that for a few years. That was a lot of fun. Um, but then all of a sudden, I, I just got this itch at 49. I thought, you know, post-marathon bombing and seeing Meb Kofleski, uh win it as a naturalized citizen for the U.S. Uh, kind of inspired me. I was like, I've been running my whole life, but I've never done anything over a half marathon. So mm. let's go out and try to qualify for Boston, which I, I managed to do. Um, did a, the Vermont 50. Right, a month after I qualified for Boston, first marathon, I did my first 50, and I did Boston, another 50, and then the Vermont 100. Um, so it's just sort of like progressed really quickly um, yeah. at, the, at the age of basically 50. That's really cool. And so your first your first year at Bubbles would have been 52? Uh, three, actually. 53. It was either fifty because it was nineteen sixty-five. Um, well, we go backwards from from now five years. So <laughs> 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 oh, there's uh, 57, 56, so 55, 54, 53. Yes, okay. I was fifty-three. <laughs> so I did the Vermont hundred miles fifty. I broke my collarbone in a mushing accident with uh, where I was bike joring. It's like okay. ski drawing, but I had two dogs and crashed hard, broke my collarbone in the fall. So just as I was like experiencing the recovery of the 100 and feeling good, and, and I actually did a 13-mile uh, uh, trail race in Raymond, uh, the Vulcan's Fury, and um, 
I like beat my time from the year before by 10 minutes. I'm like, wow, I'm getting older, but I'm getting faster. So this hundred miler really helped mm-hmm. me once I got a week later, I was broken. And Jeez. so I spent the whole six months of winter with a broken collarbone. And my orthopedist said, uh, well, it was a clean break and it's close. And he says, you know, let pain be your guide. It should heal on its own. Well, his idea of pain and my idea of pain are two different things. So <laughs> as a musher, I'm, I'm training dogs, I'm working, and I'm still trying to get my long run on the weekends and some short runs during the week. Let's go six months later. I've won a few dog races, and I'm looking at uh, the Boston Marathon and that I had qualified for. So I, I said to the doc, I said, you know, what do I do? And he goes, well, I'll tell you what. You've suffered for six months. It's, it's obviously not going to kill you to run Boston. I'll fix it the morning after. So the morning after, I got this great sleep. Uh, he was a great surgeon. He went in, he remodeled the bone because there was all kinds of gnarly stuff that had grown on either mm-hmm. come back together. I got some nice uh, quality, probably Chinese titanium in there. You know, get it all put back together. He was very proud of the work. And uh, <laughs> it took a while for my shoulder to feel normal again because all of the musculature and stuff was sure. in mm-hmm. just compensating. So anyway, I got through that whole thing and uh, realized that I probably had a pretty good pain tolerance. I put up with this for so long. Kind of nursed myself back. Couldn't do the 100, get in shape for the 100 that year. The following year, I went back to Vermont. And the first year I did it, I didn't really have a crew locked in. And and I had some, you know, weird commitments and stuff. And I just went, you know what? I'm going to do it solo. My first 100, going to do it solo. And so I thought... This experience will toughen me up. Anyway, mm-hmm. I sent out what I thought I would need. Um, come to find out, we had a, a rain uh, that night. And so it's like 9 o'clock. I'm exhausted. The wheels started to fall off at 70 miles. I mean, everything was going great. I was really feeling good up until about 70. But then blisters and no energy. And I, I just couldn't believe how bad I hurt. And yeah. By the end, I was just literally stumbling from tree to tree, just pulled myself up and then keep moving. And people noticed because they're like, dude, are you okay? Do we need to help you? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'll be fine. Uh, two more miles, I'll be fine. <laughs> I, <can do> <laughs> so I get in and, and get the B goal, which was, you know, just finish under 24 hours. So I got mm-hmm. three and a half hours, I think I got it done. I remember stumbling back. I got my hug from Amy Rusecki and, and Amy I had met when she was a different name at a ski shore clinic up in Lake Placid. It was for mushers who wanted to learn how to ski better. Mm. So um, that was kind of cool. She's there. She's giving everybody a hug. It's very personal. Get this thing done. Stumble up to my car. Fall asleep in the back seat. Wake up a couple hours later, stiff and sore. Didn't know what to do. I wandered into the tent, got some pancakes, uh, some coffee, and then I wandered down to the finish. And I got there just during the last hour and watching people coming in and finishing. And there must have been 50 or 60, at least, other people who had finished. Crews, people just watching these last people trying to be official finishers for that mm-hmm. last you know, hour or so. And I just remember this. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, the feeling you got watching these people succeed at doing something so hard. And I knew how hard it was because I felt right. totally wrecked. And there was just people who were just 
just given everything they had, and then the emotion pours out at the end. And I swear, the last couple of people that finished under the wire, we're all in tears there, clapping, <laughs> we're cheering, and we're crying, and it's just like, wow, this is really cool. That was transformative. That mm-hmm. first hundred, that really um, made a mark on me. That's really cool. And then, so what made you decide uh, when when I don't know how Ski the Whites advertised it the first year, but what made you decide to uh, to give running indefinitely a try? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, <clears throat> all right, so fast forward two years, I go back to Vermont and I and I kind of slay the demon. I did it in 19 and a half hours. I was actually a couple of places behind Andrew Drummond. We were both mm-hmm. like 30th, I think he was 28th or something. Um, but I didn't know Andrew at the time. The next year, Don and I are looking for something different. It's like, okay, we've done this. Let's do a destination. We go to uh, Nova Scotia for the Capes 100. Um, I go from sixth to third in the last 10 miles or so. Mm-hmm. And this is after my lights fail. And I latch on to a relay runner. And he catches <laughs> up to me. And I've got no light. I've got a little light left in my phone, but not enough to get to the final checkpoint where I could get a real light. Sure. So um, I didn't want to accept any assistance from the, the folks at that checkpoint because I knew that that would disqualify me. So I asked the guy, can I follow you? And he's like, yeah, uh, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll go slow for you. I said, no, do not go slow. You've got relay people who are counting on you to perform for them. Right. That I will run as fast as you can run as long as I can do it. But I do not want you to sacrifice your your race for your teammates. So on every hill, I made sure that I pushed until he started to walk. (laughs) And and at the end, he's like, wow, that was awesome. I can't believe you did that. You had 80 miles in your legs and you were still keeping up with me and I'd only had 10. So it was really cool because I had to dig way deeper than I ever expected I could at that point in a race. Yeah. Picked up Don's son, Nate, to run he the last... He was wound. Oh, I was wound right up. <laughs> I came in talking about a minute, and I don't talk much. Give me a beer. I need lights. Something to eat. And we got to get going and get this thing done, because this is so cool. So now it's foggy, and, and I mean, I just, I was, yeah, I was just wound. And I had no idea if I could survive this last 19-mile stretch. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're we're going through the fog, and we're up and down hills and stuff. And then I hear, uh, fifth place is five minutes ahead. And then we knocked off fifth. Oh, it's, it's fourth place is five minutes ahead because it's an out and back section. I'm like, wow, cool. So when I heard third place was five minutes ahead, I looked at Nate and we were on this long, steady downhill. And we only had about five miles to go. And I just put the hammer down. We're doing six minute miles. <laughs> and like, you're really doing this. And we're looking at our watch. And it's like, yeah, let's go for it. And it just totally threw down. And when we caught the the guy and his pacer, and we just flew by. And I gave him a wave. And I said, hey, great, great job. And he's like, oh, man. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was on the verge of cramping by the time we finished that race. But I was just like, wow, this just blew my mind. This was a total mental effort that was beyond what I thought I could do physically. Mm-hmm. So now we go another year. And so somebody in Maine, a friend of mine, suggested, 
and posted the results of LMS at Pineland and said, this last man standing thing, you need to try this. So I'm looking at it and I'm going, wow, this seems kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I don't know, maybe maybe we could give it a try. It's a reasonable so, reaction. Yeah, it just it just doesn't it doesn't look smart. It looks like well we're going nowhere and we're just gonna keep doing it until nobody's left. Well, all right. I'm wrapping my head around it and it's like I see the ad for Bubba's. So it's between uh, Labor Day and roughly the week before Columbus Day, whenever Bubba's is. And I go, all right. Well, we're going to enter this. It's the first annual. Looks pretty cool. Got a nice old guy on the, his face on the page. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun. So anyway, we showed up there and uh, just we didn't know a thing. Um, just kind of learning as we go. Yep. And I remember we got up into the 80s and Nate Lamar blew my mind. This kid had feet that were bloody and swollen, growing up. And his wife just kept pushing him out, saying, you can do this, you can do this. And he's like, yeah, all right, all right, and pumping him up. And I remember looking at him, and uh, I think JP was there, too, that year. No, JP was the second No, JP must have been second year then. But anyway, I was like, when is this kid going to quit? <laughs> and I was obsessed. I'm like, how can he keep working? And I, did, I felt okay, but it was mental. You know, there's the yeah. mental part. Physically, I felt good. But mentally, I'm like, when is he going to quit? When is he going to quit? And that started the paradigm shift where I can only control what I can do. I cannot think about anyone else. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do, what Nate did, what JP did, what Brian Burke did. None of that matters. You put it out of your mind and you just keep turning a lap. You mm -hmm. sit down, you eat, you drink, you go. And each year, I just got better at it. And so... It's kind of ironic that I'm on top of the mental game now, but physically my body's not happy about it. Because <laughs> it is, it's a grind. It, it's getting harder. Yeah, two years, sure. Two years ago, I was 10 pounds lighter. Um, the year I raced Brian to 44 hours, I felt like I could have gone for day, days longer. I felt great. This year I struggled. I've got a low thyroid now. Mm. It hasn't responded back. Um, I, I couldn't get the weight off I wanted, not without sacrificing energy levels and all the other stuff that's really important. So I said, well, it is what it is. I just go in and I, you know, try to make the mental game as, as, as strong as possible. That's, yeah. That's all I could control. Do you think that the, do you think that the, the physical problems has anything to do with the high volume running or do you think it's unrelated? It's possible. I mean, we don't know. Last year in January, late January, I was training for the, the Tark Frozen Yeti 30-hour, uh, and I was going to be racing Brian there, and I was really excited about it. But I was pushing hard. We were living in a trailer on site, and we we're still trying to finish our cabin. Mm -hmm. Just long days, uh, just exhausted all the time. I mean, great mental training for the long nights. But physically, I just, I was just really wrecked and probably in denial about what it was taking out of me. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all of a sudden, this thyroid thing hits, and for six weeks, my heart rate doesn't go below 80. I was 20 pounds, at Jesus. least as much muscle as fat. I was lighter than I'd been probably since junior high school. And uh, 
it luckily corrected itself. They didn't go with medication. They said that it could take anywhere from six weeks to months. And uh, it corrected itself. I started training again for Capitol Memorial Day. Ended up with a stress fracture the week before that. Had to shut down again. Um, and then after this July, I started training for the fall races again. Um, just running on grass, running uphill at first for a few weeks, and just gradually adding mileage until I could get to what I thought was the bare minimum to be competitive this fall. Fortunately, I was, I was able to compete. Yeah, you yeah. sure were. <laughs> <laughs> but it did take a lot out of me, and it's, and it's been a difficult year. Um, yeah. It put a lot of things into perspective, like my running mortality, mm-hmm. my, you know, the toll it's taking on my body and how much more of this I can really take, which is part of the decision to say, okay, let's let's take a year off from, from Bubba's and LMS and this stuff and, and maybe do some other events that we haven't done because of our commitment to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, not not put so much pressure on myself to perform at those two races. Yeah, definitely. I was interested when when you said um, trying some other events other than LMS and Bubba's, are you are you still thinking last man standing races or are you thinking like a totally different format? Um, yeah, we're looking at, at different stuff. Um, I feel like my wheelhouse is going to be more like closer to 200 mile races. So mm-hmm. maybe looking at stuff longer than 100. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm not committed to doing any more last man's right now. Just trying to take a break. I'm actually looking forward to maybe just going and watching. Sure. And, and just like socializing because I don't, I've never been to the the campfire. I've never just hung out and talked to people. Yeah. And when I get zoned in, I know a lot of people have said, wow, he's really, He's really aloof or he, he doesn't like to talk or whatever. I do get zoned in and I do get really hyper-focused. Um, I never, in all of my last man's, like 1,500 miles of last man standings, never put on earpieces, music, podcasts, nothing. I'm always in my own head. And I know that's a little bit rare, but I associate, I don't dissociate. And I'm always thinking about the next foot strike. Mm-hmm. I try to make sure because Bubba's is a race where you can get hurt real quick and easy. Yeah. I've slid off the bridge once. I've, I've you know, face planted in the mud. Um, I fell into the water once this year. Um, there's always one time where, like, it's a, it's a total wake-up call. It's like, you need to be more focused now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just almost ended your race. You weren't focusing. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think I need a break from all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's really understandable. Um, Don, I would love to hear your perspective on sort of learning how to do this whole crewing thing for, for Bubba's from scratch. Just showing up, being the only person there to help Ed. And then now, I mean, now you guys, you know, I, I wasn't there the first two years, but, you know, since I've known you guys, it's just been this machine. It's, it's like legendary to watch. So how, how did that process go for you? And how did how did you guys sort of put together this this 
crewing racing team that works so well together. Well, something that Ed never did when he was a kid was camping. And we always went back country camping, no campsite, just take everything you needed out into the woods. Dad would talk to a ranger and they'd pick out, you know, discuss a spot and we'd traits out into the woods carrying whatever we needed so I come from a long hit background of camping and so when we started looking at these things and I mean at first basically it was just that we might stay over one night so I just brought everything that we might need to stay over one night and then at each race I've just improved my list thought of all you know as as things happen I write it down and figure out what I'm going to need for the next time sometimes I'll be sitting at the campsite actually on Amazon ordering something <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is that you've I don't know if you've noticed but I'm, I'm pretty social mm-hmm. so I go around to all the different sites and I chit chat with people and I'm also looking at what they have so like each race and especially once we started going out to like when we went to ohio when we went to capital in outside dc a lot of tips a lot of things that i could learn from other people and you know to add to what we already had and then just basically streamlined it from there and decided you know because there were some things i was bringing that we didn't need and so just streamlining it and figuring out what he needs and and learning how to handle the ultra mind <laughs> as as it starts to fade because he's so focused on just the running piece that it's become essential that you know after a certain point i'm thinking of everything else for him yeah i'm telling him what to wear i'm telling him what to eat what to drink i might offer a choice but he really doesn't even want choices after a certain point. He just mm-hmm. needs me to make those decisions for him. And as a, that it was a little hard at first to to realize that I needed to step up and do that part because he, you know, he generally takes care of all his training and does all his stuff by himself. But it became apparent after the first couple of them that, you know, as he started to dig deeper that, I really just needed to step up and tell him what to do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> after a certain point. So I, I think that the, the, that's the long answer. The short answer is just camping. I, I, uh, I love to camp and I just pack all the gear. <laughs> yeah. I love that as a, as a, as a backpacker myself, like I still consider yeah. myself more of a backpacker than like a runner. So I, yeah. I appreciate yeah. the planning aspect. That's yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a good strength to have in, in an event like this. Yeah. Oh, I have some memories of some crazy places that my dad would take us and <laughs> would just shake her head, but she'd go along and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so we should get to Bubba's this year. Uh, I'll stop dragging you back all the way to five years ago. Um, so coming into this year, obviously you had a, you, you sort of had this, interesting year and summer with injuries and um and getting you know getting prepared to compete for this fall and the like the two events you did this fall there was also i i feel like the the field was really um mixed up this year like there were a lot of people who are generally really strong that didn't come back probably most notably being brian um what was your sort of mindset coming in 
to Bubba's after after you performed well at LMS. I know um, when we were out at Bubba's, you you told me a little bit about how you 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 stopped before you really hit your limit at LMS. Um, yeah, what what was your mindset coming into Bubba's and and um, who were I know we talked not uh, who, who were the people I know we talked a little bit about you you thought that the two of us were going to compete at Bubba's. Who were some of the other people who you felt were um, going to be competitive coming in this year? Yeah, I I kind of reached out to Brian and I said, so Brian, you're not here. What are your thoughts on, on the competition this year? And so um, you and Ben were the two that, that we were focused on. I mean, I definitely expected you and, and Ben to be there at the end. Um, when you came up to me and told me that Ben had, had dropped i'm like wow i i didn't expect that at all um he he's clear-minded i know we've run with uh, meg quite a bit and seemed to be helping her through a couple of rough patches and then she'd bounce back and she all of a sudden she'd be flying again and mm-hmm. um you and he were not surprises um lucas was a surprise yeah <laughs> under my radar and i couldn't get a read on him at all and then when I finally started to notice him when we were down to the top six, it's like, yeah, I don't see any chinks in this guy's armor at all. Either. <laughs> He's super steady. So, and, and I know he can go for a long time because of the skier standing. So mm-hmm. um, Maya, I knew from past experience, um, she could have been ready for a big breakthrough. I didn't know how far she'd go. Um, Meg was probably the biggest surprise, though. Uh, super impressive. And as... The numbers of us whittled down, and um, we started into the second night. I remember she's, I was coming up behind her, or she's no, she's coming up behind me, and she's like, um, "I'm sorry, I know it's really bright. I'm, I'm like, this is sunshine in the night. I've got two lights, and I'm probably really annoying you. So if you don't mind, I'll just go by." <laughs> <laughs> and we did a back and forth like forever. She's like, "Oh, I'll see you again," and and uh, she was just so fun, so much fun to run with. Yeah. Um, without even trying. I mean, just her personality. And I thought that kind of positivity is going to take her very far. And when she dropped too, I was like, wow, I didn't see a chink in the armor. I mean, she had a couple of rough laps, but then she bounced back. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I just at LMS, I got to a point where I could drop and Ryan, I could be Ryan's assist. He had been my assist when I set the record. We could be equal on the record. And I would have something in the tank for Bubba's. I thought it was more important to try to go for that five in a row than mm-hmm. it was to try and waste myself at LMS, possibly not get it, and have nothing left for Bubba's. So yeah. that was kind of where I was at. And it totally didn't surprise me that it was you and I at the end. It's what I expected. I'm sure it's what Andrew and Monty and everybody else kind of expected over the last couple of years. Because um, injuries had taken you out early, uh, so yeah, I mean, I was just figured it was it was uh, youth and age against each other at the end. <laughs> we just you know go until it <laughs> we couldn't go anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like you mentioned, sort of the the lack of chinks in the armor. It always seems like people people are doing well until they're not, and then they're gone. And like I remember Ben, like Ben and I were talking the lap before he dropped and he he was talking about how he was um he had a few different goals in mind but like bare minimum he wanted to 
to um, hit 40 hours. And then he also really wanted to hit 48 hours and he seemed like super strong. And I was sort of like gearing up for like mentally gearing up for that. I was like, Oh, like Ben's ready to go far. Let's go. And then, yeah, I was very, very surprised, but at least it's interesting. I don't know. At least for me, every time I've looked back at, at Bubba's, I've always felt like I was fighting the end for so long and then when I actually look back at it, it was like, oh, no, that that whole like struggle process was like three laps and then it was over. So it's not as doesn't tend to be as long as like it feels like you're struggling to and you're just powering through for so long. But I don't know, it ends up it ends up being fairly short in the whole grand scheme of things. A lot of the time, I feel like. Um, but. I don't know where I was going with that. So. um yeah, so during Bubba's, obviously the conditions were were quite heinous this year. Were you what what was your what was your mindset and sort of um sort of your experience during the race this year compared to past years? Like did you have did you have significant downs? Did you were you pretty much just steady all the way through and didn't have any problems? Like what, what was your experience like? Um, all right. So I remember going up and seeing, uh, Andrew and Monty when they had their, their clearance sale deal up at the shop. And I, I let them know that it's probably going to be my last Bubba's. And we talked a little bit about preparation and training. And so this summer, because it's been raining so much, I just assumed it was going to be miserable there. Mm-hmm. I know that the, the water accumulates there. I can even remember one of the wet areas got much more wet because of the rain we got. I, it like flooded even more. Yeah. Uh, so every time I got the chance to run in, or bicycle uh, for hours at a time in the rain, I just did it. So that at least mentally, that was not going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it kind of sucked. Um, I, I only changed shoes and socks once during the whole race. And I started with a, uh, a Gore-Tex North Face um, shoe, and it mostly kept my feet dry, mm-hmm. but water did get inside, and once it got inside, it didn't leave. Right. And I left those on a little bit too long, and I really paid for it with some chewed-up feet. Um but I push that, kind of push that aside. It's like, all right, I, it's just foot pain. And yeah, I, it's not preventing me from running. So I've just got to ignore that. Um, I had to run in places I don't normally run because some of the runnable spots that I would make up time or stretch out my stride, and, and I just couldn't do it because it was so wet. Mm-hmm. So I had to um, mentally get through a, a whole bunch of... Um, puzzles about how I'm going to handle the course. Um, once I got that figured out, I, I got dialed in before the final night started. And then I was really excited. I was happy. I did struggle a little bit from time to time, and I'd come in and I'd vent to Don. It's like, this sucks. I should have retired before I started this race. I should have just, why did I do these races? This sucks. Um, and, but She's she's used to me doing that, you know, just mm-hmm. coming in, venting, and then I get my crap together on the next lap and just try to, you know, get focused again. So I, I <laughs> um, anyway, I got dialed in and I figured it out after the 24, sometime in the afternoon, uh, second afternoon, 
um, I just kind of get dialed in. It's like, okay, this is how I attack each lap. And I go out strong. I go out with purpose. I make time up on those good dry downhills. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of mess around in a few of the wet spots and not take any chances. And uh, and run a few of the gradual uphills that I normally walk. But anyway, once I got dialed in, I felt really good. And when they took those pictures, Don's like, I don't think I've ever seen you laugh or smile like that in a photo. And, and I really, I almost looked demonic, I think, in my <laughs> for whatever was happening that time. I'm, I'm like, I don't know how to explain it, but I just, I loved being there at that moment, coming down to just, you know, the last four or five of us. I just, it was, I was starting to have fun. And I know mm-hmm. that second night is the killer most people and I was just so happy to be there to not be broken to uh, feel uh, some good energy Um, I had been eating well no stomach problems no 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 other issues just like the further you get into that second night I just it felt good it felt really good yeah this is okay I had this thought when you're talking about sort of going out with purpose each lab this is a like everyone I, I've never really sort of followed you on a lap. I know a lot of people do because they're trying to get the, you know, get the inside info on and, and uh, on like how to pace a lap. And I think a lot of it comes down to sort of personal preferences and what your strengths are. But to Ed Clifford, what what is your ideal way to pace a lap at Bubba's? What what works best for you? Well, just. Um, going out quickly. Um, I, I really like to use, I don't want to think about it. I go to the line with, you know, 15 or 20 seconds to go. I like to get right up front and just go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that first mile and a half, mile-ish, mile and a half, whatever I can get um, at decent pace. Don't take any chances. Um, and, and then just really get mindful about where I'm putting my feet. Uh, and then try to enjoy it. And this year I was, I would, I was telling Don, I said, I just want to enjoy every lap, every mm-hmm. step of every lap, because this is my last one. And so being grateful that I had kind of overcome all the injuries and that I could actually start the race, um, grateful as it went on that I felt some good energy and I was positive and could be competitive again, um, just feeling that gratitude all the way through. Um, at the end of each lap, I generally walk last quarter mile, sometimes the last half mile, depends on how much uh, time I banked. But I'm looking for about eight or nine minutes of rest. Yeah. I'm not looking for more than that. If I sit much longer than that, I find that I get a little stiff or cold in the mm-hmm. night. So that's my sweet spot. And then if I'm really tired or if I'm struggling a little bit, I'll allow myself to go 55, 56, 57 minutes. Um, yeah, which which is where I was at at LMS when I decided to drop. I had had my first. I didn't have a rough patch until 30 odd hours, and I had a couple of laps where the second night I slowed down a little bit, trying to get my energy back, not stress out about it, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 the dominoes fell, and I'm like, wow, I'm the assist, and I can decide when this ends. Yeah, and I think I can end it right here and be happy. So that's how that went. But uh, yeah, anyway, Bubba's, I like to just be really cautious on the rough spots, uh, the logs, any water crossings, 
Um, I know there were some weird spots where people were on and off the trail, and, and some people talked about eating shit really bad. <laughs> where you just like trying to get back off the main road, off the mud and the water, and step up off onto the high side, and then you're just you're down, and it's like ah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I just avoided all of the all of the traps as much as possible. I had a pretty uneventful race, yeah. considering how bad the conditions were. Yeah, that's good. And so when you come in between laps, are you, what's, what's, what's your lap routine? Are you, do you take your shoes off or do you, are you stretching or rolling or anything? Or are you just kicking back and resting and eating? Yeah, pretty much just uh, plop right into the grab chair, any grab chair, put my feet up. Sometimes uh, Don will put something under my feet so they get elevated a little bit more. Um, often I will step on the scale first. I keep a scale with me all the time so that I don't have to worry about being overhydrated or underhydrated. Mm, interesting. Um, and then I've got a little calf stretcher and sometimes I'll just stretch my calves a little bit either before or after. But otherwise yeah. I just, I sit there and I close my eyes a lot, just trying to save them because of the eye strain. Yeah. I never, I never sleep. I never am able to like just fall asleep. Oh, interesting. Yeah, every once in a while, Don will hear me make this little snore noise, and she'll go, you were sleeping. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but I, it's like a, a lucid sort of uh, dream state almost, where you know, you're aware of what's going on around you, but uh, my heart rate comes way down, and I'm mm-hmm. almost in that uh, that wave set, the brain wave set, where I'm sleeping. My, my, my brain is resting, but I'm not really sleeping, so... I never yeah. get groggy like, oh, you just woke up and you're groggy. Yep. Yeah. That's, Interesting. That's and you pretty much keep your shoes on the whole time? I did. I only changed shoes once in wow. this whole race. Um, I switched to a, from that North Face shoe, I switched to the um, Kraft Nordic Fusion, which is oh, a sure. shoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one was really good. Um, a little bit lighter. And I figured at that point, I'd just change shoes again if I did get really wet, but it didn't come to that. Yeah. I had done like 26 or 28 hours in the first pair, and then, you know, we were together when things ended, so. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. And How about so, you? How many times did you change shoes and socks? Oh, man. Four or five. I was, uh, I... <laughs> Because my, my shoes were not waterproof, so it's like I'd wear them until I took a wrong step, essentially. <laughs> and then once they were soaked, I was like, all right, I've 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 got 10 pairs of shoes. Like, might as well get in dry shoes, dry socks, try to keep my feet as, as, as good as possible. Which worked out. I didn't really have many foot or blister problems. I, I did find, like, towards the end of the race, I, I do like taking my shoes off as much as I can in between laps to just like let my feet air out a little bit. Um, but towards the end I was like, I was tired enough that just untying my shoes, taking them off and then tying them again took so much mental energy that I was like, it's not worth it anymore. (laughs) I'll just, uh, I'll just keep going. Um, Bill Tid also came in huge. He, he brought me and my dad, um, he he brought me and my dad micro spikes and and I only used them for um for the first night when it was really really muddy and like the the whole course was like 
just drowning in mud. And then I didn't have to use them after that. But the, the micro spikes are actually really helpful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else used spikes, but I... I found I found the laps much more pleasant after I started putting on some traction, so that was interesting. Yeah, that, I thought that was genius. Somebody mentioned that to me, and I and I looked down and I saw them on your feet, and I'm like, wow, that is so cool. And I've got them, and I never thought to bring them. And I bring everything. I bring all my shoes. <laughs> I bring. I, we got a whole shoe rack. I've got my <laughs> choices. Um, never thought to bring those, and it's like, wow, this is genius. Yeah, I didn't either. Bill, like. Bill's a hero. He he lives an hour away from from Bubba's, and he like he came to Bubba's, ran a lap with us, saw the conditions, drove home, got the micro spikes, and drove them back to us. So, <laughs> big shout out to Bill Ted. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Um, yeah, that was cool. Um, so, I'm interested in this is this has been a big chapter, like. You you found this sport, you found this race. Um, you've sort of been the the face of this community that is Bubba's that has been built up over the last five years. What did it mean to you? Uh, you know, outside of outside of beating me, <laughs> what did it mean to you to to be able to win this race for a fifth year? And then, um, what does it mean to you to sort of move on from it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm still processing it. Um, I, I remember hobbling down the stairs and John had coffee made and it was, you know, the next, not the next day, but two days later, cause we slept in the camper on site and then we packed mm. home. Anyway, I was, I was hurting and I came down the stairs and she looked at me and I looked at her and I just, I held up my hand. Yeah. Bye time. <laughs> and, it, and it kind of softens the pain a little bit and so we just we've had a laugh every now and then when things are aren't going so well i just look at her and i hold up my hand <laughs> it means a lot it's, it, it, i thought that and i know we talked about it last year it's like wow we just we won lms we won this we won the hamster but let's just retire let's just do something else because sure. it's never going to be this good and the challenge this year was so great, and I thought, uh, I got to try. I, I'm going to try one more time. Mm -hmm. And if I had to choose, um, I was going to put all my eggs in the Bubba's basket and say, let's retire with five. Um, and people are probably sick and tired of me being there. It's like, oh, that guy again? <laughs> oh, man. But um, I just, yeah, it's, it's so cool. And it's funny because people will recognize me as, hey, you're that guy from Bubba's. So mm -hmm. in the ultra community, I show up places, you're that guy from, you're Ed, that guy from Bubba's. It's like my reputation now is solely based on what I've done at Bubba's. <laughs> <laughs> that guy from Bubba's. So yeah, it's really cool. And I, I owe a lot to Bubba's and Andrew Monty, is, uh, Andrew's dad, Bubba, and everybody there that helps out. It's just, we have so much fun when we go there that it will definitely leave a void. Mm. And I really am hoping that we just get up there at least for a day next year and just kind of hang out and visit with people and, and just um, kind of enjoy the atmosphere a little bit. Yeah. Um, get to experience the side of it that I don't get to see. Yeah. 
both with LMS and Bubba's. I was thinking about that when you, you know, when you said earlier that you've never gone to the campfire and I was, you know, especially last year when I, I had to stop at 24 hours, like I, I got to like hang out a little bit and see stuff and it, it just clicked to me that no, you like you start when the race has started and you've, and when every time that you have finished, the race has been over. So it's, it's you never got to experience like what it's like to just be around during the race. That's very, very interesting, but also hilariously savage. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I was talking to Brian Burke and I, I've, I've stayed pretty close with the guys who have been my assists or who I've assisted, like Jason Begonia over at LMS and Brian. Um, and Brian said, Ed, you project inevitability. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was like our mantra going into this one is like, like, let's just let that work for us. Let's mm-hmm. just project that inevitability and see what happens. You know, yeah. physically, I'm not I'm not anywhere near where I was two years ago. Um but mentally, I'm prepared to really just you know, like compartmentalize all the discomfort and whatever is happening and just keep turning laps. Yeah. Let's just work on that mental side of it. And, and so Don puts up a sign after, I don't know, what, 24, 30 hours or whatever. She writes, project inevitability. So when I walk in, I'm looking at that going, show me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, that, that was part of my strategy too, is like, I, I made a very conscious effort, like later on, I was trying to, trying to hide any limps or like have a very positive attitude when I came in. Uh, Maybe this is a, an unfair question or like something you can't know, but how, say, say, say I had been able to push you to your limit. How far, how long do you think? you would have been able to go if if it had been to your absolute limit i i think it's um it's it's the height of hubris to suggest that i could have gone on at any certain point beyond what we did sure you you just don't know at any point your mind could break your body could break Mm -hmm. and you have to make that choice it's so easy to stop in this format it's like okay now we can end the suffering we'll Mm -hmm. just stop the assist would be fine. I'll get the little, I'll get the hatchet. I've never had a hatchet. I've got a bunch of <laughs> I take the hatchet. Um, and I wouldn't mind losing to you. It's like, you know, you, you're like, you're the next generation. You're the guy I would pass the torch to happily. Um, but it, at the same time, there's that, okay, you know, this is our last time. You still have to give it everything you got. Yeah. You know, so the, the bottom line is I have no idea how much further I could have gone. All I can tell you is that at that moment, I was 100% committed to the next morning mm-hmm. and pancakes and seeing the sunrise and seeing what the next day brought. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. yeah. And and I could have changed in an, in an hour or two. I don't know. But yeah. I, mentally at that point, I was, I was totally committed. That's fair. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, I think. Do you uh, do you have an axe wall somewhere, like a, a display of some kind? <laughs> we, uh, we we kind of got them in a pile right now. On the a pile. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 there's, there's one out. 
but we haven't we haven't got the hooks up yet. Yeah, we haven't yeah, stained yeah. that wall yet. Yeah, there's, there's a wall <laughs> where we have these really nice sconces, and now mm. that the cabin is mostly finished, and we're trying to decide, um, we haven't stained the inside yet, whether we leave it natural or, or what we're going to. Anyway, I, yes, we we are planning a very proper display of those axes, <laughs> and, and I figure if somebody ever breaks in, I'm going to have an axe around every corner. So yeah. <laughs> they got a big gun. They're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, have you used any of the axes to chop wood? No, no, but I did. The, use the saw. The first year we won, it was a saw. It was a trail saw. Oh, interesting. Um, and and I have used that. I, I've taken that out on the trail where I knew I needed to do some limbing and stuff and just open up some trails that I use, whether with the dogs or when I'm running. So that one I have used. Um, as far as the axes go, no, I, I'm just, I, I hate to use them. Yeah. I've, I've got, I've got a 14 pound maul that I use for splitting wood. I've mm. got, uh, a regular ax that has a metal handle that I can use for, you know, like I, was, I just, I feel terrible if I actually, <laughs> <laughs> and ding them up. So no, I haven't used them. <laughs> it's almost a so, so you've got four, four axes and a, and a saw. Yeah. Those are those are the four five pieces of hardware. Yes. Five pieces of hardware. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay, there are two. There's a lot of myths about about Ed Clifford and and what happens uh, during during races during training. I'm interested uh, in a couple of them. There are two that I can think off the top of my head, and I I want to want to see if you can either confirm or dispel them. One of them I heard this year is that you're drinking brews between laps. Was that was there any truth to that? <laughs> yes, I and this goes back to um, my my first hundred with Don. Um, I remember I have an issue with lighting, and I got to the seventy six mile lap, um, Spirit of seventy six, right? You and Bill were there, yeah. And you said, "Hey, you want your headlamp now?" And I went, "Oh no, no, I." The next one where I see you, that'll be fine. And and I got halfway, and there's a, a an unmanned checkpoint, and uh, or or non-crew checkpoint. And I got there, and it's getting dark. And the guy's like, "Oh, that's your headlamp." And I went, "Nope, it's six miles ahead." It said Bills. And they went, "Wow!" <laughs> they started laughing, and I went, "I know." I got a lot of work to do. So I hauled butt trying to catch a Bills, and I got there, and I plunked out in the chair. Right at dark, and it was actually moonlight by then. And uh, I was so relieved, just like the one in the caves. I was so relieved to have gotten there, and now I can get a proper light to finish the race. And she hands me a beer, and it was the best beer I ever had in my life. And I didn't even know what it was. It was probably, you know, light for Corona or something. I don't know, whatever. But it, it tasted so good. And then I went on, had you know, a decent finish, um, had a pace with me and we had some fun. Um, after that, I started drinking beer. Um, not all the time. Um, but the second year I did Bubba's, it was almost like JP and I were drinking beers and looking at each other from across the parking lot. He'd be sitting on the picnic table. He'd be between laps. He was literally like on his phone, texting, checking social media and drinking a beer. And I'd be drinking beer. <laughs> so it was kind of like the second year we kind of overdid the beer. Um, so anytime, I, I just love a beer. When I finish a run, I come in first thing and do grab a beer. 
Yep. So I'm not opposed to it. I do avoid a high alcohol content sure. because you don't want to be drunk out there. But um, yeah, you, you know, only use that one time. Yeah, like <laughs> like a light a light beer or something. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, and we need half a beer for a laugh. But yeah, no, it's it's true. I drink beer during office. That's awesome. It's not I true that, that I'm out there drunk. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, okay. The other the other myth that I'd heard was that um, some of your training includes you'll get home from like a, a a long day of work and then rather than going to bed or even going for a run, you'll just go out and uh, and just chop wood until you're. Uh, until you're like past the point of exhaustion, just to just to practice being exhausted, is that true? Um, yes. Um, not not necessarily chopping wood, but um, when we were working on the cabin, I'd be out uh, in here sanding uh, until wee hours. And clearing and, a lot. Um, oh yeah, clearing a lot. Yes. So yes, I was out felling trees, um, clearing the lot. I had bought a tractor so that we could clear the the logs out of the lot so just like trying to save money and do the work myself so yeah yeah some of that's true sometimes i'll run before work um and if i haven't raced for a while and i really need to simulate that race fatigue like from a really long effort i'll come home at 11 at, at night put on the lights head out and try to run all night mm-hmm. wow it's very interesting. So basically what I'm hearing is that all the rumors are true. And if I hear a rumor, I should just believe it. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Um, okay. So I've kept you guys here for a while. Uh, is there is there anything major? Well, I guess one question I have. So assuming you don't change your mind and you're actually done with Bubba's and assuming that I don't change my mind and I'm actually done with Bubba's, what do you think? Who do you think? Who do you think takes up the the mantle next year? Yeah, uh, it's a great question, and I'd love to be there to see it. Actually, I think it'd be a lot of fun to be able to see the end. Um, I think if if we're not, I I would say Brian Burke. If he decides he's going to come back and take this on again, um, he wanted to take a year off, and he went down. Nate wants it so bad. Yeah, Nate, Nate Lamar, Lamar uh, JP. Um, uh, There's Meg, some great assists. Meg, Meg was, I think Meg just lacked confidence. I don't know mm-hmm. if she just, um, I physically, I think she, if she physically, if she, she was came a lot, back ready to. Yeah, I think she'll get a lot of confidence. She could come back and rock it next year. She could be our first woman to win. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, it'd be great to see a woman win. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but I think you're going to win next year. You will <laughs> <laughs> My problem is that, like, I I do think the the first two years I did it I think I was knocked out early by injuries that that weren't necessarily due to being undertrained for the the race that were just like sort of extraneous injuries. This year I think I think my body deteriorated at the point that it would Unless I like, I don't think I could go farther in this format without seriously committing to this format. And I just don't know that I want to sacrifice frolicking around in the mountains. Like the, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just a different, it's a different format and like, it's a lot flatter. There's a lot like when I'm, when I'm doing something like the long trail, even 
even though it's even though the mileage mileage wise it's longer, I am getting these more, you know, I'll get a, an hour of rest here or two hours of rest one night. And you don't get that. Like it's, there's just different skills and different muscle groups and all that stuff that you need for, for the backyard ultra format. And I'm, I'm not sure that, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure that that that's been my like sort of reflection post Bubba's is, um, like maybe I could go farther if I if I committed to the format, but I don't I don't know that I can really commit to it. And if I'm not going to commit to it, then then maybe I should just like be happy with this year and and move on. So I don't I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but um, but that's kind of where my head's at at this point. No, that's that's totally fair. Honestly, um, we've talked about this too. At your age, I don't think I'd have been very good at this. Um, I have mental skills that I've acquired over decades that mm. allow me to be good at this. Um, I don't think I had them at your age. And mm. you are, you're like one of the toughest 20-year-olds I've ever seen. <laughs> um, to what you've done on the, on the long trail and in the presidentials, um, I, it it astounds me. It amazes me. And if I were your age, I'd probably be chasing that stuff too. Not this. <laughs> so I think when the time is right, you'll come back and do it. And mm-hmm. if it's not, and you're not motivated to do it, you've got so many other goals and so many other cool things you're, you're doing that motivate you that you should just keep doing those. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're inspiring the stuff that you and Andrew have done. It inspires me to look at what other challenges there are out there beyond just racing. Sure. So I'm going to be considering that over the winters. Like, you know, do I want to try a Deratissima or something like that? I mean, that awesome. Cool. Oh my goodness. My, I, I've been talking about this for years now. My Deratissima time is not that good. And you should totally go take it down. I would love to. I'd brainstorm the crap out of that route with you. <laughs> well, I I would definitely uh, be checking in with you if we do that. Don Don wants to do the forty eight, so I, I'm hoping that if things work out next summer, we'll knock out those, and cool. I'll I'll look at it as homework, and then I'd like to section it so that I could do maybe, you know like a, a whole day and just go out a day and a night and do a section and then mm-hmm. the next week do another section and just sort of do my homework on it. See what's possible. Yeah. Um, but I'm not fast, not, not fast like I was when I was a kid. So I, it's gotta be a long grind. I'm good at long grinds and, and yeah. sleeping. So maybe, maybe something like that is worth a try, but yeah, I, you gotta be motivated because it ain't easy. I mean, I've read your blogs. It's it's hard. You're going to have to dig really deep, and you're going to find out truths about yourself that you may not <laughs> like. And it changes, <laughs> and it changes you too. Yes, it makes you tougher. Yeah, for sure. That that's that's definitely true. Um, okay, so I've kept you guys here a while. I usually ask people what's next at the end, but I think you you've you know. You don't really know, and it's I, I've gotten some some maybe some hints of what might be next, so I'll I'll take that. Um, is there anything? Right. Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything you want to mention about just like those five years at Bubba's or um, or or your story or uh, or your your shared story that you two have before we log off here? 
Well, I couldn't have done any of it without Dawn. Um, like I said, she's brought this camping sensibility to it, and I trusted her. I, I never wanted to stay out camping before a race. So when it was a leap of faith for me to let her um, set up the whole camping thing before the 100 at Vermont, and it worked out, and then we did it again at Nova Scotia. And it's like, yeah, okay, I, I'll trust her. I just totally put my trust in her as far as this camping out and stuff. And then when it came to Bubba's, it was just like total crew trust. Mm -hmm. like, you know, you you run this show. I just show up and run. <laughs> and when decision fatigue sets in after the first 24 hours, and I don't know what I'm doing except just resting and eating and drinking, and you just tell me what to do. Um, total trust. Uh, yeah, couldn't have done it without it. <laughs> awesome. Any any last words? Any parting words, Don? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think he's pretty much covered it. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's stay in touch. I would love to get on trail with with you guys outside of Bubba's. Uh, just like, I mean, when you're in the 48 this, this summer, I would love to come out, hit some yeah. hikes with you guys. That would be so much fun. Absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah. And if you're ever doing something big and you need somebody to, to hop in and keep you company, uh, keep me in mind. Cool. I will absolutely do that. Thank you so much. All right. All right. We'll talk soon. See you guys. Good talk. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.